Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home, office, and garage using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2, owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet voice and security services. Smithville. Local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, along with Daniel Robison today, who's the assistant news director here at WFIU. And uh, you're listening to to, uh, our program with two guests. And we're going to be – this is going to be an unusual program today. (laughs) I'm sure of it. Uh, One guest is Kevin McKees who uh, calls himself an impoverished Ph.D. student uh, at Indiana University School of Informatics. But he's also the uh, author of Twitter API Up and Running, uh, Learn How to Build Applications with the Twitter API. And also, guest, uh, our guest number two is Mike Trotsky, who is co-founder of Sproutbox.com. Uh, so we're going to be uh, – you're going to be able to reach us in any number of ways today. I'm not sure exactly <laughs> how we're going to be communicating, but there are a number of ways. You can phone us, as always, at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. Uh, you can join the discussion on the website, wfiu.org slash Noon Edition. You can follow us on Twitter, follow at Noon Edition. Also, uh, we're live blogging the event uh, <laughs> on, on Cover It Live. Dot com. So, uh, you know, any number of ways that, that Daniel and I don't even know about. <laughs> so, so welcome to the program, guys. Thanks. Good Thanks. to be here. So, um, Kevin, I want to, I guess I want to start with you to, to sort of give me a, an overview of, of Twitter. You know, I think we had uh, – well, I heard probably four weeks ago um, Scott Simon on a Saturday morning doing – Trying to teach Daniel Shore how yes. to Twitter, and how to tweet, I guess, and it was uh, you know it was pretty interesting. So we might need a, a similar kind of lesson. So for I, I'm, I know many people out there in our audience understand it, are probably using you know, have have Twitter accounts or are using the technology, but sort of give us a, an overview. Okay, well, um, it starts with uh, the constraint. The the big thing is that it's it's just like blogging or any other content that you contribute. Um, only you can only use 140 characters. And that was uh, originally something that came out of uh, a limitation with SMS, with doing text messages. But um, it turns out to be a really powerful way to get people to engage because it doesn't take that much to fill 140 characters. And, in fact, you don't often don't even go over maybe about 80 or 100. Um, so it encourages people to, to participate. But Twitter is, uh, at the time, very unique in, in social um, networks in that it wasn't like Facebook where you have to um, do a handshake that, you have to follow me and I have to follow you, um, it's asymmetrical. So you can choose to um, take my content and I don't have to reciprocate. And that control um, really is what makes Twitter so powerful. Everybody has a completely different experience. Um, and it's, uh, it's been a very interesting excuse me, way to uh, um, follow news, to, to follow uh, community. I mean, that's really one of the big reasons I use it is to just become, you know, more connected with people like Mike, uh, mm-hmm. who I wouldn't see on a day-to-day basis, but I see every day on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the public nature of it is what's really kind of amazing, right? If you're on, if you're on Facebook, just like Kevin was saying, you, you, you have to join as a friend with someone. But here, everything you're posting is out in the open, which really means that you can do things like Kevin's an expert with, with the API, which means that you can, you can gather data from Twitter, uh, pull it from open sources, as opposed to you know, having to be friends with someone to see that information. And I think that's one of the most powerful things about it and what makes it different. And I don't even think, I think they sort of stumbled across it. Like, you know, I don't think that they knew exactly that that was going to be the great thing about it. Um, and it, but it just kind of happened as they build it. Oh, well, I, you're going to probably hear this from me a lot during the program. So I'm, I'm going to try to back up for definitions. Okay. API. Okay. And, and API is basically a way uh, a system or a site can share information. So um, with a Twitter API, they have a number of different views of their data. And in a lot of ways, it's just like a website. It's just that it's not formatted for you to view. It's formatted uh, in a way that programmers could come in and use that data. And you can send in little parameters and get only certain portions of it and, and return data that way. So there's 
you know, that they adopted that open API very early and they've been expanding it and improving it as they go along. And there's over 2,000 easily, over 2,000 different applications that have come from this. And that's another neat thing about Twitter is Twitter itself hasn't changed a whole lot. They've changed their website, but they don't really offer different services. But everybody else that's in the ecosystem um, builds these tools in response to what people need. So you have you know, uh, ways to manage groups. You have ways to uh, go and, and pull news, to follow hashtags. There's lots of things that you can do with it, and that has nothing to do with the Twitter Prime. Okay. Hashtags. Hashtags. <laughs> okay, so this is uh, something that, that came about as a way to sort of define a channel. So with 140 characters, you don't have a lot of room to, to give a lot of context. So one of the conventions, I don't like using hashtags myself because I find them noisy for that amount of uh, signal. But um, it's a good way at, at conferences to just have a little pound sign, a little number sign, and then a little short um, you know, term or something. So at CHI last week, which was a big uh, conference for the ACI community, it was CHI 09, you know, mm-hmm. CHI 09. That's another one of those things that just sort of came uh, – it wasn't planned. You know, um, people started doing it, um, and I, at was the same way. Like yeah. the, the 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 developers of Twitter didn't realize how people were going to use the tool entirely. You know, it was just a kind of an open forum to post information, and then people started using the at symbol, and all of a sudden that became you know central to the mm-hmm. way Twitter works. Same way with hashtags, <clears throat> people started putting that little tag in there to to mean, hey, this is a search term, a term that you would search and see what people are talking about on this particular topic. And it just it just sort of took off. And that's one of my favorite things about Twitter is the way it sort of evolved. The user base has actually evolved it between the API stuff, between, you know, that and, and the users uh, just coming up with conventions for using it. It's, it's, it's kind of remarkable. Before I let da- Daniel jump in here, <laughs> I want to ask about this evolution because I, I, I think, you know, people talk about evolution. It seems like a really long time. So <laughs> – you know, I, I'm sort of – compared to you guys, I'm sure I'm a very late comer to all this stuff. But how long when, – when did you first get a Facebook page or a MySpace page? Um, for me, it's uh, – well, MySpace, I – That's gone, right? Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> I got one and I deleted it. Yeah, uh, right. That's history. Um, it was painful. Yeah. But it was based on – after I came here. So I, I did uh, work telecommuting from Bloomington yeah. to Tickets Now before. And when I came to uh, IU in 2004, I, I had a blog that I, I did sporadically. But I wasn't on Facebook. I wasn't on a lot, a lot of those social networks. Mm-hmm. And it was because of my class as they were graduating and looking at things like LinkedIn and how to stay connected that that's really when I started joining. Right. So three years ago, four years ago? Uh, 2005 probably. 2005. Yeah. 2000, yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, you know, I'm an early adopter, right? Mm-hmm. So I read all the, the tech crunch, which is a blog on, on mm-hmm. startups, right? Yeah. I'm interested in startups, right? That's what my company does is we help companies get started. And so, uh, you know, for me, I, I sign up for just about everything. Now, not much of it sticks, right? So I, I watch the feed and, hey, here's a new product. I go sign up for it. I've got a zillion accounts on everything, right? I noticed that on so, your page. <laughs> right. Um, so, I, you know, I signed up for all those things pretty early. It doesn't mean I use them. Like, uh, I was a little skeptical of Twitter, really, uh, at the beginning. Um, you know, I was kind of like, eh, another, another. And, and, and it's interesting because people think, uh, you know, Twitter is kind of revolutionary in many ways. But really, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, uh, there's a company called Dodgeball that had been around. Um, and, you know, that's the first thing I thought. Oh, it's another dodgeball, right? It's another, somebody's done this before. It's SMS messages. Great, you know. Um, it took a while. It actually took that evolution. Other users kind of pushing Twitter to be something else before I really got into it. So when, when, when was this, when you first got a Twitter account? Wow. Would have been I was two ca- years ago? Uh, a year see. ago? No, it's, it was, I, I signed up for a Twitter account right well, they still had um, – they, they, they didn't have vowels. Yeah, I, th- I think you, you were before me. Uh, you probably did in between Scoble and uh, – uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, and I joined right before uh, the South by Southwest uh, a couple years ago yeah, right. where it exploded. Yeah. And what I used it for – I was staying here stuck doing academic things and my wife and kids were going down to Florida. And she wasn't going to have internet but she was going to have her phone. And so Twitter – allowed her to just use the phone and the text to send me little things like walking on the beach, you know, stepped on a jellyfish, whatever it happened to be. And I could do the same, you know, about the dogs that we had or about uh, the shows I was watching or not watching without her. Um, and it really gave us a sense of connection. And that, that to me, right from the beginning, really it had value. 
And, you know, it was, it was after we got some uh, informatics students involved that it started to take on a different meaning. Well, so I, I guess – and then I'm going to turn it over to Daniel. But, but my point is 2005, you guys who are early adopters got – a Facebook page, mm-hmm. at least one, one of you, an early adopter. And then you're talking about South by Southwest, which is March, right? Yeah. March. So two years ago in March mm-hmm. when you were first you first had a Twitter account. So then four to six weeks ago, we've got Scott Simon and Daniel Shore talking about it. Uh-huh. But I mean this has just been a Ooh. fairly – Oprah today. And yeah. Oprah today. Yeah. 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 So, I mean it's just been a very rapid – uh, movement toward where we are today, and we're finally getting around. Noon Edition is now getting around to talking about it. So, Daniel, this is a question for both of you guys. Why do you feel like uh, this has caught such fire? You know, and why do you think uh, people join Twitter? What's what were your motivations, and uh, why do you think everybody wants everybody else to know their business? Well, I mean, it's it's become um, a central work tool actually for me, which is kind of amazing. Like I. I set up meetings via direct messages all the time, you know, um, and, and Kevin was talking about how it's nearly replaced email. He doesn't have email on his phone because he just uses Twitter. Um, so, so I think really the thing that makes it work is this, this whole model, this asymmetric model where uh, I can go and follow someone or they can follow me. I meet them at a conference and uh, maybe they follow me and later I think of them again and I go back and I follow them and now we can direct message with each other. It's not – it, you know, with Facebook, for example, I don't necessarily want to add people I just randomly meet, you know, to, to my Facebook page. Um, but it, it's it's a scenario where you, you've met somebody and maybe you want to communicate with them about something later. Um, and maybe you just want to follow what they're doing uh, because you're impressed with them. Um, and, and it allows you to do that. And so it's got this viral nature where you just keep adding people and following them. And, and, and I really think it allows it to grow very quickly, which is what's, what's happened. Yeah, the, the, the way that it, every person can have their own unique experience is really what makes it powerful. I mean, the, the, this year has been fun to watch because uh, Twitter has really exploded, but it's sort of exploded in a lot of different stages. And now we're at the celebrity stage where we have the, the race for a million followers. And that has just totally knocked what we thought the statistics were before. So, mm-hmm. you know, 500 people, 40 people, it just doesn't mean anything. And so a lot of the things that have come out in the last couple of months have been these lists about how you can get followers or how you're supposed to use Twitter, and they all end up changing. When the things that come out, like with the auto-follow, which, which allowed you when somebody followed you, you'd send a little direct message, thank you. When that first came out and there were applications, again, third-party applications that were doing this, um, everybody loved it. And now it's a very split camp as to whether that's spammy or uh-huh. whether that's valuable. Um, you know, everything about this, uh, this system is adapting to the people that come on and use it. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about the social strata of this. So you can be following someone on Twitter and they can be following you, but you're not quite Facebook friends yet <laughs> and you're not quite friends in real life. What are the relationships between the people that follow you and the people you follow? I, I don't know. I think it's, it's largely content. I mean, it's, some of it is that you go and you see what they are, they're writing and that might be interesting for you. For me, anybody in Bloomington that follows me, I will follow back. But now I've got a separate account that's actually for my research going in and trying to keep tabs on everybody there. Um, it does, I mean, that direct message thing that Mike was talking about, in a way that's sort of a stage that, you know, once you're mutual and you can start doing the direct messages, you know, that's sort of another stage. So there's a lot of fine grain, you know. I, I have an interesting mixture of people that I follow. For the most part, I follow people that I know and that are my friends. Um, but there's a few, you know, there's a few people that I, that I follow just because uh, I like them. I like, I like the product that they offer or um, – and I've, I've maybe never met them. Um, but actually, I've been, I've been traveling to all these tech conferences. So uh, I went to like, I don't know, seven conferences, you know, South by Southwest and Web 2.0 Expo and Web 2.0 Summit and all these different places. And so I've kind of took uh, it upon myself to make it a goal to meet all the people that I follow, right? So I've been going around and I've actually been knocking, you know, people that I've never met that I like their content on Twitter. I seek them out and I find them um, partially because I'm at a conference and they'll post, hey, I'm having lunch over here. And I'm following them, so I just go over there and meet them. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's great for that. And so I'm trying to turn 
all my all the people I follow into my friends. All right, I want to give you a bunch of phone numbers and ways to reach us today. Eight five five zero eight one one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. You can join us on the website wfiu.org slash noon edition and use essentially an email to get to us. <laughs> you can uh, follow us on Twitter at noon edition. Um, I. I uh, I represent sort of the traditional media and so I want to talk a little bit about about using social networking um, in a news manner. I mean a lot of a lot you know we we have now um, about six or eight Twitter accounts throughout our news department. So and it's great. Do do you follow? Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean I that. that's one of the things that I've noticed of I've been following the community and stuff uh-huh. at first it's people like Mike and I or, or the people that I sort of bully into get on in the informatics community to help research. Um, and then we got students that came in. But in the last three months or so, uh, both IU and HT have had a real presence. And and you're using it well. I mean, the, the things uh, that I get with like Hughes uh, has something that's just sports. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of good information out of that. It's It's clear that there's people behind it, not you know, just a corporation. Right. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that <laughs> because, I, I, you know, I wonder – we're always trying to wrestle around with how do we fit in and how do we use social networking, you know, in uh, our overall mission, which is to, you know, present news and information that uh, we believe to be, you know, accurate, fair, and also to bring people together, you know, and to sort of perpetuate democracy um, and – so, well, I mean, Twitter is is perfect for a news organization, right? I mean, it, it's that same sort of scenario where, you know, I'm not going to add you. I'm not going to add the Herald Times as a friend on Facebook. That that doesn't make sense. Although so, we do have a Facebook account. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's fan pages now, and, and actually, Facebook's you know trying to. Everyone says getting Twitter like because there's some good ideas that that they're taking from Twitter. But um, you know, Twitter is is a model where you it's a publish subscribe model, and and you can you it just like. Well, that's what you do, right? You you have subscribers and you publish, um, and and Twitter is exactly like that. And so I think it fits really well for news organization, and it's it's a great way to for news organizations to use social media. Mm-hmm. So how do you find different things that you want to follow or different people that you want to follow? Um, nowadays, it's getting a lot easier. So like the Chicago Tribune for a little while had listed their Twitter accounts in their masthead, and I actually think that they removed it, but it was just a day thing. But um, it's hard to not. I mean, it's it's very easy to find. Uh, organizations now and how they're they're using Twitter. The way that it used to work, and I think still works, is for your local network. Is you look at you know like Mike's page and who's he following. I know Mike, and so he might uh, be following some interesting people. Or I'll look in his content, and if he's referring to somebody with that at symbol, um, and that he's talking about something of interest, I might find that. Or you go to these conferences, these things that have nothing to do with where you live, and you're meeting these people, and you ask, you know, do you have a Twitter account? And and suddenly that's how you connect. And, you know, one of the things that when people come into Twitter the first time, the, the criticism is generally, you know, why would anybody want to know when I'm going to lunch? You know, right. why, why would uh, I want to know that about somebody else? But when you're in the same town, that becomes very valuable information for the exact reason that Mike said. It's, is now you've got an opportunity. It, it lowers the barriers again so you can go and talk to these people. It also gives you, you know, if you find that somebody's having a bad day, uh, you can I've, – I've had times on Twitter where I've said something and somebody's brought me a Coke. I mean <laughs> I, I, I don't get that, you know, if I'm just sitting there having my own feelings and stuff. You know, it's, it's the sharing allows you to connect. Well, you, uh, Bob, you talked a little bit about the Herald Times getting a Twitter account. I know that WFIU has a Twitter mm-hmm. account. But what would you say – some people would say maybe this is just a fad. You know, maybe some people are reluctant to join Twitter because there will be something new in two months. <laughs> well, I mean, there is there is that. There's it's technology, right? That's that's what it's about. It's about what's new. I mean, which is one of the reasons I love it. Um, and so, yeah, there's turnover in in you know MySpace is not cool anymore, and Facebook is. But I do think Twitter is 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 around. It's it's gonna it's gonna stay. If if nothing else, the concept will stay. Right, uh, and so maybe somebody else will come along and and do something different, or Facebook will steal it and push Twitter out, or Google will buy it and kill it. You know, uh, who knows? But but the the overall concept of of an open public way of using social media, as opposed to you know just one on one closed private kind of communication, uh, is 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 not going to go away. We're going to have that forever, you know, um, in one way or another. I'll be a little stronger uh, about that too. Is uh, I think Twitter is the survivor. I mean, they have already had several periods in their history where they've had horrible tech. 
you know, the fail whale became a cultural icon because of their tech problems. Mm -hmm. um, and they've survived that. These other competitors, every single time they've gone here, they've been – at first it was Jaiku and then it was, you know, Pounce and, and then it was, uh, you know, FriendFeed and now it's Facebook and, and Google itself. I mean – this company knows what they're doing, mm -hmm. and it's apparently a very fun place to work, even on the, the scary times. And I think this is this is the thing that's going to survive. Well, from the uh, you know again from the traditional media side, because I have to you know I have to try to put this in context for where I live. <laughs> uh, you know, you're talking about how Twitter has is a survivor because it survived through a lot of bumps along the way. Over again, over what? Three-year period of time. <laughs> That's true. You know, and people are, are signing our death certificate at the newspaper, and we started in 1877. <laughs> yeah. You know, we've been through a lot of different things too. So I guess I want your reaction to that. I mean, I read. Uh, let me before I let you react. Adam sent an essay for us to take a look at, and, and it talks about uh, Walt Mossberg, and I'm not sure who he is, but you guys, I'm sure. Well, Street Journal, yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, uh, he says, think about it. The hundreds, thousands of newspapers around the country, there are only a few that matter. Good journalism and journalists, on the other hand, are worth saving. You know, after 150 years of newspapering, there are just a few that still matter. I, I don't know. I don't get that. Well, let, let's separate the, the issues. So yeah. the, the problems with the, the traditional print right now are not really – about the content or even about the, the medium. It's about finances. Mm -hmm. And it's about, um, in some cases, a decline of, of ethics and stuff and, and the, the way that people go about with, uh, with journalism and com coming up with stories. You know, blogs have contributed to the immediacy of things, but, you know, that doesn't make them inherently because of that medium that the stories are any, you know, less vital or anything. Right. So, you know, I don't think that newspapers themselves are, are, are going to die. I mean, there's always going to no. be somebody who likes that feel. Um, but I think that what has to happen is, is an evolution of, you know, your business to be able to do exactly what you're doing, mm -hmm. start to use these other tools mm -hmm. and connect and, and have relationships. I mean, Mike Wesh who's a, um, was the teacher of the year last year at Kansas State, I believe. I mean, he had a quote that I, um, I tweeted, I favorited, um, that I thought was really interesting about this. And he says, the fear of new media, it's one thing to stand by the lake fearing the water, but uh, when the water is rising around you, fear is not an option. Mm -hmm. And that is what's happening. You can't say we're going to put these messages in the box if you're a marketer or we're going to control how you're going to, to view this information, you've now got more ways that you can communicate with people. Right. And I, mean, I think that's the thing. Like I, I don't know why uh, a new way of communicating has to destroy an old way, right? And there's, there's this assumption, but that's, that's not what happened. You know, fax machines didn't get rid of mail and, <laughs> and you know, I still use the phone even though I have other right. tools. Email didn't eliminate – I still send letters, you know, um, and I certainly still get plenty of junk mail yeah. <laughs> of all kinds. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's, it doesn't have to end. You know, newspapers don't have to go away because there are blogs. And, and I don't know why the sort of prevailing thought is that's the way things have to happen. Now, things change. You'll have to use those technologies. Right. But it doesn't mean that I don't, see, I don't see newspapers going anywhere. Yeah, it's funny to think about the, uh, you know, when I started at the paper, it was the Herald Telephone because the <laughs> telephone was such a, brand new item in 1877 <laughs> when we were founded. So it's, everything changes, I guess. Daniel? Well, do you feel like uh, when WFIU or the Herald Times gets a Twitter account and they use it, sometimes we use it kind of nominally. We just sort of are using it to, using it to use it to give the semblance that we're in the know. How do we as a radio station, as a, as a newspaper, really use it and benefit the people that follow us? Well, one thing is to listen. So um, I think one of the mistakes that a lot of these companies that are coming on now and following those lists of how to get followers are doing is they're saying, okay, there's, you know, seven, eight, nine million people using this and I want the largest chunk I can. I want to get as many followers as possible. But what happens is there's, there's sort of your own little bar that raises and lowers. You have to have enough activity and value out of it that you're going to want to use it. But it has to be quiet enough and, and useful enough that it, there's a ceiling as well. And that changes over time. When I first started, I thought 40 was going to be it. Um, and every time I've gone through another a couple months and stuff, I reevaluate. Sometimes I shrink my network. Other times I'm, I'm in a state of growth right now because of Kai and because of the book. Um, it's, you start to reevaluate what you think is valuable and what you can handle. So people ask me, you know, how do I follow, you know, 600 and some people? I mean, it's, that, it's nothing to compare to some people. But I have found a way to filter this stuff and to find a way to put it into my routine. And, and I get value out of it. 
I mean, I, uh, another thing is you were talking about you know wanting to have a ton of followers and and using Twitter to listen, and I think that's something that that eventually people will do is learn to listen to Twitter. Um, there's lots of tools now like Filterbox and, and there's tools out there that allow you to uh, get notifications when people mention you on Twitter. So even people that don't follow you, I mean I think, I think that's sort of part, of part of the evolution and part of it being out in the public allows uh, the, the people at Herald Times or WFIU to know w- when somebody mentions WFIU in a positive or negative context, even if they're not following, even if they're not part of their network. And I think, I think that's going to be really valuable. You're going to find out if people think the Herald Times is too far to the left or too far to the right in the opinion page or whatever. And, and you'll, as people are saying that, whether they're in your network or not, by, by just using the tools to search it. Um, and I think that in the long term is going to be a big benefit to, to all, all kinds of media. Okay. I just uh, sent a tweet and I asked people for questions. So as, as you were talking, I was listening, but as you were talking, it's time for us to take a break. Uh, we're talking about – uh, social media and how to use it with a couple of guys who are experts in the field and uh, very early, early adopters. Let's put it that way. Um, Kevin McKeese is here and Mike Trotsky is here. So you're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. You're listening to Noon Edition on member-supported WFIU. You can take WFIU programs with you by downloading our podcasts. Podcasting is a convenient and easy way to download audio files directly to your computer, iPod, or portable player. You can download podcasts of full-length programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, or short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, as well as movie, play, and opera reviews. Find out more by going to our website, WFIU.org. On Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, the WFIU News Team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting South Central Indiana. Listen at 8.33 a.m. and 5.45 p.m. every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to catch that day's feature. If you miss one, that's okay. They're archived on our website, WFIU.org, and the best features from each week can be heard Saturday mornings at 7.45. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times along with Daniel Robison from WFIU today uh, sitting in for Mary Catherine. And we have two guests. Kevin McKees is here. He's um, – well, he's, he's an impoverished Ph.D. student. Yeah. He says impoverished. He's a Ph.D. student here at IU and also the author um, of a book, Twitter API, Up and Running, Learn How to Build Applications with Twitter API. Uh, our second guest is Mike Trotsky, who is co-founder of Sproutbox.com, uh, and we're talking about social networking. So join us at 855-0811, if you want to use that old technology, the telephone. <laughs> You can also uh, follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition or you can go to the website WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. This is a question uh, for both of you again. Is the idea of uh, who owns this information? You know, when you tweet uh, all the happenings in your life and uh, you put uh, your life on Facebook. I know there's some controversy a few months ago about Facebook claiming that it owns this information. (laughs) Where is this issue standing right now? Well, I, th- I mean, the, the whole idea of security and privacy, I think, has changed. Um, you know, and, and there will be people in informatics that will disagree with me. So this is just one man's opinion. But, um, you know, my feeling is it's if you take away the media, take away Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff, and we're walking on the street and I see you, I know where you are. I know who you are. Um, I know things about you. And if I choose to go share some of that or distort it, or, you know, it's still a reality and problem regardless of what the media is. And so the attitude that I used to have uh, different uh, usernames and different identities really for each one of the um, bulletin boards or the communities I was in, and I stopped doing that. It's just you came keys for pretty much everything, and the reason I do that is it's a lot easier for me to deal with other things if I'm just trying to be myself. So with Twitter, it's great too because if people don't like that or if they think I'm tweeting too much or not the right content, they unfollow me, and I don't really take that personally. Um, you know, so the, the the fact that you share something, I think, is a good thing. It allows people to connect. Um, but the ownership thing is, you know, that I'm just I'm just not a very private person, you know, uh, and 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 maybe that's part of being on Twitter a, a lot. Or 
I just I don't think about those things um, very much, and and a, and a lot of people do. A lot of people are really concerned about. I mean, I really don't care who owns. You know that I post that I'm going to the bathroom. You know, I, I mean, I, do I need to own that, or they need to own that? It's not something I think about, um, and and I don't think about. Um, I don't mind if someone knows about my life, um, and and I think that's kind of part of the deal. If you're gonna be if you're gonna be posting on Twitter, um, you should feel that way. You you need to be okay with it. Um, now there is there is you know you can have block people from seeing it. Um, but I've never really seen the point of that on Twitter. You know, it's, it's the blocking mechanism is largely for spam, and I think that's, it's appropriate there. Mm-hmm. People sometimes use it to shut a door, and it's a little extreme. Um, but there are instances where you, know, you can say too much or the wrong thing. So um, Cisco Fatty is a, uh, um, an incident that happened about a month or so ago with uh, somebody who was looking. I mean, it's a hard time. You, it's hard to get jobs. And she was tweeting about her jobs uh, and experience, and she got an offer from Cisco. And she was talking about it, had basically a fat paycheck and stuff, but she thought she was going to be miserable there. Well, Cisco is a pretty tech-savvy organization, and they found her tweet and stuff. And so as a result of that, her account went to uh, private, you know, so she was able to protect it. But on Twitter, that's maybe 4 to 10 percent of, of all accounts are, are protected in that way. So let me ask, when someone uh, unfollows you or defriends you, do you, do you get a little offended? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't. Uh, I mean, I signed up for that for Quitter. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, see when, it, it tells you when people uh, stop following you. Um, but well, why'd you sign up for that? I I was curious. I mean, I signed up for everything. We, you know, we already covered that. Uh, But uh, you know, it it doesn't bother me. I I do it all the time. Uh, You know, Kevin was talking about going from forty to six hundred and then back down and up. I mean, I'm following. I think one hundred and sixty three right now. But that changes all the time. You know, I I, I was targeting one hundred and fifty. Right. So I'll I'll unfollow people and then I find myself following them again later. Um, you know, it just sort of it sort of depends. So I figure people do that with me, and and it really doesn't upset me. I, I want to ask one of those basic questions. Okay, you've got 153 people who you're following uh-huh. right now. So for those people out there that aren't really familiar with this, the Daniel Shores of the world, when Scott Simon interviewed <laughs> him, or the Bob Zaltzbergs of the world, for that matter. Um, how, how does this uh, translate into you know time? You know, I know if I get email, I know that all these emails are coming to me in an, in an email folder, and I pick and choose the ones I want to read. Is that similar? Well, I mean, you know, Twitter. I, I don't get bent out of shape mm-hmm. if I don't see every update on Twitter. That's mm-hmm. that's part of the appeal of it. Now, I I do read almost every <laughs> update, but I don't think I, I, a lot of people don't. Uh, you know, Twitter is is. Is it's different in that way? It's a space where people aren't upset if you missed their tweet. Yeah, it's right. called a low expectation. Uh, um, I am. I mean, it's, it's you put things out there. You're not directing them. Even with the ads and stuff, it's a public statement. And so those things are just your way of saying I'm ready to communicate or I have this thing to share. And you're right. I mean, it's that's I think one of the reasons that people can follow. Uh, you know, there's a mythical uh, 150 Dunbar number that that uh, research says that that's as many people as that we can maintain relations for. But with Twitter, the maintenance is just keeping you sort of that if they say something that brings them back into your consciousness and it may allow you to uh, do something more with that relationship or you may not do something with it. But it's all up to you. Is it like seeing, a, uh, you know, the page on Facebook when you get everybody's status updates? I mean, what's the difference? Well, it's – one of the differences is that on Facebook, you're only going to get that if it's that if mutual friend. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. Um, but I put all of my stuff uh, from Twitter. I mean that's what I post on, but it goes to Facebook. And what I've noticed is my high school friends are now as they're starting to explore social media, they aren't going to Twitter first. They're going to Facebook because it is a much, much bigger community. Um, but because I do those tweets, I'm getting a lot of conversation now because in, in Facebook, those updates allow threaded responses to it. And I find myself um, having gone maybe a year without really using Facebook uh, a lot. I will come back because I get emails that say somebody responded and it's usually somebody that isn't in my Twitter circle. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean I actually – I post a lot. There's another service called BrightKite which is, is, is very similar to Twitter in, in, except it adds location. Um, but one of the things that happens when you have these, these APIs, you have these open ways for these tools to work together with each other. I post a lot on BrightKite. That post 
to Twitter automatically through their API, and then that posts to Facebook. So there's like I, I like have a chain of <laughs> of services that I run through, um, and and I have people on all of them. Um, you know, different people. It's kind of like Kevin says. There's a bunch of, of my friends who aren't on Twitter, um, but they see it on Facebook. Um, and and I think as as we're able to to use technology and technology gets more and more open, that's really exciting to me because I'm not necessarily locked into just this group of people or that group of people. Everything's a, a, allowed to communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. All right. Again, our phone number is eight five five zero eight one one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. We'd like to have a regular old phone call. That'd be good if you have <laughs> questions. I know everybody can't know all this stuff, so but give us a call if you have time. Uh, also, you can join us wfiu.org slash noon edition, and you can follow us on Twitter at noon edition. Um, I wanted to talk, um, Daniel, if you don't mind, I'll break in here with another question about the privacy issue. Um, because, you know, you mentioned Cisco Fatty. Um, there are lots of ways to, uh, I mean, I, I'm, again, I'm thinking of this in terms of, of our traditional medium, which you know, allows for comments on our stories. Everybody's anonymous on those comments. And they say the most outlandish things. I mean, how is it? Sounds like it sounds as if Twitter is not as um, anonymous because a lot of people <laughs> right. know who who people are even by their whatever their username is. Um, but how how are, how are the the tweets monitored? I mean, are, are there if somebody starts making outlandish 140 character <laughs> comments, what happens? Well, one one thing is at the Twitter level, there's uh, um, is a terms of service, and there are things. You know, so they have shut down accounts before. Usually, it's spam. People who are just coming and following a lot of people, usually through automation. Um, there is a culture uh, in Twitter that fakes people. So, you know, the fake Steve Jobs of the, the bloggers, there's a lot of fake accounts around maybe characters on TV shows. So Battlestar uh-huh. Galactica or Buffy. And they, the people that man those uh, will put it in the, the voice of that character. Um, but there have also been fake real people too. And Twitter doesn't like that. And, and what, when they find out about it, they will say, okay, you have to either say that you're fake or re, you know, give the, the thing up. Um, I followed uh, Stephen Wright, which this is just a perfect medium for him uh-huh. because it's just sure. a very short little thing. <laughs> um, and it turned out not to be Stephen Wright. Um, and, this, and that was two years ago. And um, this person was just posting the, some of his material. And Stephen Wright found out, got an account, and then said hello and never used it again. Mm. Um, you know, so, but I, I think that you've got this community sense. So it's not just somebody anonymously putting something out in the world. The only way somebody's going to be able to read that content is if somebody's following them. Mm-hmm. So if that's objectionable or if you don't trust that person, then you unfollow. But you look at that network for validation. So if I s- type something right now and it's completely wrong, there's probably going to be people that will come and correct that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we have our first question. Uh, it's an email question. Uh, and again, this show is about uh, community building. And I'm really glad that um, our producer brought this question in because it's something I wanted to ask about. It's about the, the concept of bowling alone, which I'm sure you guys are both familiar with. And Allison asked, uh, a man named Robert Putnam wrote a book called Bowling Alone that addresses the decline of, the American, of American communities or social capital. Can someone discuss the weakness of online community building or do the guests claim there are none? <laughs> so far, only online communities have been discussed. What about real communities? Is Twitter, Facebook, and MySpace really building the neighborhood communities in which we live? Well, I mean, I, 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 it's huge in Bloomington in terms of the, the real-life connections that come out of Twitter. I mean, last night we had uh, Ignite Bloomington, which was just a blast. Actually, Kevin and I both did presentations. You get up, you have five minutes. It's actually uh, very similar to Twitter. It kind of reminded me of it as I was putting (laughs) together my presentation because the way it works is you've got 20 slides. They're each 15 seconds apiece. And so they auto-advance. And so you had to make your – whatever you're going to say about a slide fit into 15 seconds exactly. And it felt like 140 characters to me as I was trying to write my script. It was very, very similar. Um, But that event basically happened, I think, uh, because of Twitter, Um, you know, because we were able to uh, not spend any money promoting it, uh, just post on Twitter that this event's happening and 80 people show up. And and, and it allows us to build a community where it's not just a Twitter world. It's a physical 
uh, type of community that we're building and we're using Twitter as a tool to help make that happen. And yeah. what, what was the uh, overall sort of basis for the Ignite Bloomington? What was the theme of Ignite Bloomington? Well, Ignite B- Bloomington is uh, something that comes out of the O'Reilly camp. It had nothing to do with uh, me writing a book for them. But um, <laughs> basically what it does is it allows communities to get together and just share information. So there's no real um, – it has to be about business or has to be about tech. I mean we've had <laughs> – there was one on their uh, large site that uh, was about uh, five steps of how to boil water. But it was how to boil water with uranium. Um, so it was – you can really talk about anything. And we had uh, uh, someone talking about whiskey uh, and somebody talking about the history of graffiti. And the idea is that you get people together and we have great conversation. I mean an hour and a half of conversation that followed. You know. mm-hmm. Well, Mike, I feel like you mentioned that story um, because it is the exception to the rule because a lot of Twitter is people at their computers typing about themselves and about things they like. So – Speak a little bit more about how this kind of undercuts traditional communities. How how it see I'm not I'm not convinced that it does. I don't me understand. Neither, me neither. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't understand. Again, it's kind of like the conversation earlier when we're talking about old has to replace you know new has to replace old. Um, it's just a new tool to uh, to build real life communities as well. I mean, I guess there are there are people who um, who, who stop interacting personally because they're on Twitter. But I'm not sure about that. I interact more personally in person because I'm on Twitter. Um, and, and maybe there's exceptions to that. But I actually think that's, that's the norm. Um, if, if you're an open person who likes posting information about yourself freely on Twitter, you're probably the type of person who talks to people as well. Um, at, least, at least that's been my experience. And even if you're not, Twitter, because it lowers those barriers, it allows you to lurk. It allows you to say little things. It allows you to build up some type of confidence. So we have geek dinners every you know, six weeks or so, and we have a different crowd that comes out for a lot of it. I mean, there's a core group, but there's a different people that come. And I, a lot of people that are there, I only know through Twitter, but because I followed their information, because they followed mine, they know that I've had a little baby. They know I've written a book. They know I had a bad week or something. And, and I know things about them, and that allows us to connect. And so I think that without that type of signal, I could go into those situations and I would sit and I would talk to the people that I knew and I would not go and venture. But I do feel like it's, it's not something that replaces other communications. It's something that strengthens it. All right. We have a phone call. Let's go to Carol on the phone. Carol? Hi, thanks. Um, I teach online and I study social presence in online classes, and I do agree that you can really create a very strong community online. Um, my question is, um, can you conceive of any way to use Twitter in a classroom, kind of like in place of clickers, because people have to buy clickers, but if students are sitting there with their laptops, is there a way to ask them questions and get immediate responses, and do you know anything about that or have any thoughts? Yeah. Actually, there was a uh, capstone student uh, that graduated last year um, in our program who the problem was with uh, international students in the classroom of not only having, you know, just the fear of raising your hand, but also the, the language barriers. And so what she was trying to do was set up a screen in class that allowed people either anonymously or with their own accounts to post questions. And there's actually recently uh, another professor that's doing that. He's actually putting uh, another screen up there and allows it to be a back channel. Um, Okay, with Twitter. Yeah, with Twitter. And there's also uh, out of MIT a program called uh, Back Channel, which is used in conferences for much the same purpose. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say Back Channel and Impressor, which is a presentation tool a buddy of mine uh, does in New York. Um, has that feature? They just added that where you can be, you can have a presentation up, and you kind of have a, a you know a Twitter channel going on the side, so you can get questions right there. Um, and I think that'd be great in the classroom. And it allows yeah. you too to um, follow up, so it's not just limited to the classroom. It's that you have a record. Maybe people are going to post about your class later, and if all of these things are connected in some way, or you have students that are sort of being trained to, to share in that way, it, there's a lot of reflection that goes on, and there's a lot of opportunities then to engage people even after the fact. Great. Can, can you um, give us any names of um, people to look up or articles or anything? Um, so Back Channel is uh, backchan.nl. It's an Internet oh, okay. convention. Um, is there a way maybe we can post some stuff to the, like a website or something? Because I, I oh, yeah. do have resources not at the top of my head that I could share. 
Oh, yeah. oh, that'd, be, that'd be great. Adam's going to take care of that for us. Good. All right. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Carol. 855 885 uh, slash Noon Edition, and follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. Maybe I'll ask about, uh, I guess, the dark side of Twitter in the classroom. <laughs> um, I taught a class earlier this week where um, there were these two girls who were text messaging probably throughout the whole class, even though I asked them a few times to quit, and um, they weren't paying attention. And uh, with this technology at their fingertips, their attention spans were very, very short. You know, So you spoke about the benefits of having this in the classroom. Speak a bit about maybe the limits need to be placed on on this, especially in learning settings and, and, and other, other. Well, it's difficult. It's like it's uh, it's like laptops and meetings for me, right? At 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 work, I, I used to have I used to own a company called Reside Information Technology, and we'd we'd have meetings, and everyone would bring their laptop in, and you know, would fiddle on it the whole time you're having a meeting, and you'd be like, well, "Are you listening? No, they're not listening at all. They're playing on their computer. They're doing work though," um, and and. I don't know. I think it's different. I'm not sure that it's necessarily bad. I mean, obviously, if you're in class and you're, you're you know, goofing off, sending silly text messages to your boyfriend, that's not a great thing. Uh, and, and, you know, you need to limit that. But, I, you know, I don't think it's any different than somebody in class, you know, reading a book or fiddling with something else. I mean, it's not a new problem. Twitter didn't create that problem, right, of someone not paying attention in class. And I'm not sure that it's fair to blame Twitter for that problem. Um, you know, it, blame the person who's not paying attention. And, th- and there are cues from that. I mean, if you see somebody, these are more signs that they're not engaged, maybe as the, the teacher or, or somebody, you could go and try to engage them in other ways. It, it, it isn't, it's, it's, it's a signal to you that maybe there, there's something more that you could do with the relationship. Or my, my I know lecture. you're trying to get us to say something bad about Twitter. <laughs> I'm just playing devil, devil's advocate. I'm, I'm sorry. It could be that my lecture was boring. <laughs> I doubt that. Come on. All right. I just, I just posted a question on here and I'm going to ask it now verbally. And that is how does Twitter – I want to talk about economics. How does Twitter make money? They don't. Um, they're going to. This is the, apparently the year that they announced their business model. But here's the thing about Twitter is there are so many people that, are, that have money that are just enamored with this and they see the potential of community. They see the potential of local customized search that they're willing to send money. In fact, their last round of uh, money that they got was unsolicited. Um, they actually didn't need it. Yeah. And they raised $35 million. And, and it's like, what are you going to do with this? Well, we're not sure. But in this environment, we might as well take all the money we can because right. we don't know what's going to happen in the future, which was totally their attitude. And they hired a bunch of people. So now, I mean, there is somebody just to monitor the API and communicate with people in a way they weren't doing before, which is very ironic given their Twitter and they weren't using the Twitter account for that. Yeah. Well, very inter- it's very interesting to me. I just, you know, it's the American way to be sort of capitalistic about things. And uh-huh. so I wonder, as a long and long term, what's the business model going to be? Well, I mean, I spend a lot of time on this topic um, on, on – because I, I deal with startups mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm really kind of revenue focused when mm-hmm. I think about startups. I mean it's all about figuring out what your business model is before you start, which is completely the opposite of, of, of Twitter. Um, and I'm a, I'm a little nervous about that. I'm a little nervous about if, if, if it, you know, you think Twitter is going to be a survivor. I think you may be right. But I actually think maybe if they could easily mess up. <laughs> they could easily mess it up and, and, and they're in a bad position. You know, it's like, it's like they know they have to make money on it somehow. They've raised $57 million. I mean that's a lot of money and a lot of people that are expecting to get paid back somehow. Right. Um, and I'm just nervous that, that that will be what eventually kills them is that they'll do something wrong in that space because they've, they, they've started out with the wrong expectation. I mean that's one of the reasons I really encourage people to think about their model first because it's really hard to inject – You know, if they stuck ads in your stream, I mean it would be over. I mean somebody would go to another free service, don't you think? Well, yeah. I mean the other flip side to that is that the value that they're building is the relationship, the, the um, community that's there. And so one of the reasons it's now difficult um, for other starters uh, that – are doing the same type of thing to challenge them. I mean, there's a lot of sort of initial boom and then just a flat line of, of use is because the community is at Twitter. When Twitter had a lot of their technical problems, I mean, there was a lot of uh, heavy users that migrated to, to FriendFeed and said they were going to stay there. Well, Twitter fixed their problem. They, those people found out that there wasn't a community on there at the time and they came back. Um, you know, so I, I don't know. I, I'm trusting this 
these people. I mean, they, they have a good track record. They've got Google roots as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think their model is to just sell. And I think that they've got plans. Yeah, it's, it's a fascinating topic to me, obviously, because you know, we have one of the few paid websites, although <laughs> most of our website's free. But people will send me an email and say, how dare you? make me pay for this free information, which, of course, the information isn't free at all because we've got a whole big news staff that we're paying to gather it. And we have to, as you said, we have to make that money back somehow. But, you know, it's not a successful model online and for uh, uh, for a lot of online people, although it's been reasonably successful for us anyway. I mean, I still think a, a migration, though, is possible. I mean, look at MySpace to, to Facebook. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had the network, but they they squandered it. Yeah, they, they didn't respond to what right. people wanted. I mean, as long as Twitter does that, I think you're, you're right. I mean, Twitter may be the company that's able to to stay on top of it and respond to, to the users, and they have up to this point for sure. Well, that's a perfect segue. We've got two minutes <laughs> left two here. Minutes. <laughs> to, uh, I guess my last question. It said uh, new things are cropping up every day. MySpace went into Facebook, and now there's Twitter and new stuff coming up all the time. Where do you see the state of this thing in 10 years, and how short will the American – attention span be then? <laughs> ten years? We talk about how... Ten how, months. How, how about ten yeah, months? I was going to say how quick things, you know, this, we're well, just, talking just about this has only guess. been two years. Uh, I mean, ten years, uh, if you think back ten years, um, you know, uh, I wouldn't have thought any of this. Um, and so, I, you know, I, I can't make a prediction ten years in the future. Um, I think um, that there'll be, I think we'll continue on this path to more openness, more sharing of information, uh, less kind of closed-minded mentality, um, and I think that's what social media is all about. It's about you know spreading and being a, a more open culture, and I think we're going to continue in that direction. Yeah, and I I think that you know there's three basic things that the internet has always been traditionally good for: information, business, and community. And I think the community is what's going to trump the things that we're doing, the social media, the contributions, the a- ability to go in and develop your own tools. These are ways that you are finding ways as individuals to connect to others. And if you're looking at what's going to happen in 10, I, I, I can't give you a, you know, is Twitter going to be you know, bigger than Google kind of thing. But I can say with some confidence, I think that we are going to be a more connected society and there's going to be benefits that, that come from that. All right. We have about 30 seconds to go. But how do people find either one of you on Twitter? At Trotsky, T-R-O-T-Z-K-E. Okay. I'm Kay McKees, K-M-A-K-I-C-E. Okay. I want to thank both of you for being here. Kevin McKees and Mike Trotsky have been here with us. It's been a pretty lively hour of discussion. I've really learned a lot, and I've enjoyed it. Daniel, nice to be with you again. Oh, definitely. Thanks. Daniel For <laughs> Daniel Robinson, producer Ariana Prothero, and engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home, office, and garage using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2, owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology, information at smithville.net.